Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Ronnie will be teaching from the book of Romans, chapter 6. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. We talked about and have been talking about victorious Christian living. And so far we have learned and talked about that the victorious Christian life, are you listening? The victorious Christian life has everything to do with what you know. And I told you that this this whole thing about victory in Christ and this victorious Christian living has everything to do with what you know not necessarily what you pray about and how important it is for us to know the word of God and how important is it for us to know not only the word of God, but what God's word has to say about you and your life. Now in Romans chapter six, I want you to look at right about verses six through 10 talking about what you know in verses six through 10. We talked about this last week that we know that our old man was crucified and we know that he died to set us free from sin. And we know that our old self was nailed to the cross with him. And we know we talked about this last week. If you missed that teaching, you should order a CD copy in the bookstore. Very important. We know that Jesus rose from the dead and we will live forever. Talking about what we know, we know that we have been raised to new life. Remember we talked about that? We've been raised in verse 4 to the newness of life. That means fresh in quality. And we know that we are no longer ruled by the tyranny of sin. We talked about what we know. Talk about victorious Christian living. Not only is it important to know these things, But it is also important if you're going to live the victorious life to reckon, reckon. What does that mean, Rodney? It means to consider. I want to tell you more. I can't tell you a whole lot. I got to move forward. But it simply means to consider. Reckon means to calculate or to reckon yourself dead to sin, but alive unto God. And not only do we know and not only should we reckon if we're going to be victorious. Are you listening? But then finally, in verses 12 through 14, we talked about if we're going to be victorious, we cannot present our body parts as instruments of unrighteousness. But we're to present our members or our body parts as instruments of righteousness. You got it? You're with me? Say amen. Amen. Now listen, as we move forward this morning, this afternoon in verse 15, this whole next section between verses 15 and 23, this whole next section 
began with the question that was asked in verse 1 of chapter 6. Now look at chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then in chapter 6, verse 1? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Remember, were you with us last week? So this whole next section now, it began by asking this first question in verse 1 of chapter 6. Now beginning in verse 15, Paul picks up with one final point talking about shall we continue in sin that grace may abound. And Paul made all these points last week about certainly not. And here's many, many reasons why not. Paul this morning makes one final point about continuing in sin. Paul says, listen, thinking that you can continue in sin, that grace may abound, is not only unthinkable, unscriptural, and illogical, but one final point, just one point this morning that Paul makes, is not only unscriptural, unthinkable, and illogical, but finally, It's dangerous seeking to continue in sin that God's grace would abound is just dangerous. Say amen. If you're breathing now talking about danger, the dangers of sin. If you're taking notes, you pick up right here. I'm going to give you four points this morning about the dangers of, of sin. Number one, if you're taking notes, listen, sin makes you a slave. And we'll find that in verse 16. This is what we're going to talk about today. Sin makes you a slave in verse 16. Not only does sin make you a slave, but sin, listen, leads to more sin. You will find that in verse 19. Sin makes you a slave. Sin leads to more sin. Notice point number three, sin makes us ashamed. We find that in verse 21, sin makes us ashamed. I'll tell you more in just a minute. And then finally, sin leads to death. We find that in verse 23, four dangers of sin. Sin makes you a slave. Sin leads to more sin. Sin makes us ashamed And then finally, sin leads to death. With that said, saints, Romans chapter 6, we pick up in verse 15. If you're looking at it, say amen. What then, Paul says, shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? What does it say, saints? Certainly not. Means perish the thought. God forbid No way, Jose. Do you not know in verse 16 that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness. But God be thanked in verse 17 that though you were slaves of sin, Yet you obeyed from the heart that underlined this form of doctrine to which you were delivered. Very important. I'll tell you more in a minute. And having been set free from sin, 
you became slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because I want you to understand because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and note this lawlessness leading to what more lawlessness. So now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Or what fruit did you have then in your sin? What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. For in verse 23, would you help me read it? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. Up to this point, listen, Paul has given us a clear picture of how Jesus has provided salvation. If you've been with us, you know that. But as I was reading this Friday, Saturday, I got the impression that Paul's tone changes right about verse 15. You know, it's almost like Paul is trying to clear something up in verse 15, beginning in verse 15. As Paul says, and has already pointed out that Jesus has provided salvation and it's by grace. Amen. And there's nothing you can do to add to it. And if you do sin, Paul said last week, if we do sin, then we know that God's grace will abound to us. Paul makes that clear. There's nothing that could change that. But then Paul noticed he begins to ask the question again in verse 15. What then go ahead and look at it in your Bibles again. What then shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? Now, remember, I told you, you got to listen. You got to stay with me. Remember, I told you back in verse one, as we looked at it already, shall we continue in sin here in verse 15? Paul says, shall we sin? Remember last week, I told you this word or phrase continue in sin means to habitually practice sin. Shall we habitually, continually practice sin because we know that God will forgive us? Certainly not. The continual in verse one speaks to habitual, continual practicing every day. You get up and you think, how can I send it up today? If you understand, somebody say amen. amen. That's what verse one's talking about. Verse 15 now says, shall we sin? That's not talking about continual practicing of sin. What Paul is talking about is a person who thinks that, well, if I can't continually practice sin, then maybe I could sin every now and then. I know that's nobody here. I'm just going to go ahead and preach this, but I know I'm not even talking to anybody listening. I'm, I know that. Because some folks, they think, well, I'm not a continual sinner. 
I mean, I don't practice it. I mean, I'm not like trying to sin, but you know, hey, we all sin. We all make mistakes. And hey, a little sin here and there, well, that ain't going to hurt anybody. A little bit of compromise. I mean, what's the big deal? You know, we're all sin, you know, sinners and, you know, we all have shortcomings. We all fail. A little bit of compromise. Listen, a little bit of compromise is just as dangerous as a lot of compromise. A little bit of sin is just as dangerous as a lot of sin. Listen, a little bit of sin is just as bad as a lot of sin. A little bit of sin is just like saying a little bit of poison. Well, listen, a little bit of strychnine will kill you just as fast as a lot. You understand? Say amen. Amen. (laughs) A little bit of sin. Paul says, listen, to even the person who would say a little bit of sin every now and then, shall we even Get involved in a little sin every now and then that grace may abound? Absolutely not. Sin is dangerous. Point number one, sin is dangerous because sin makes you a slave. Would you mind looking at verse 16 again? Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey? Whether of sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness. Paul says, if you yield your members, your body, to obey sin, you are its slave. Now understand something. Remember the book of Romans is written to the church at Rome. And in the church at Rome, remember I told you that there were more than 60 million slaves in the church in, in the city of Rome, 60 million slaves. So even in the church, it is very likely that half the church, at least even more, would have been slaves. So when Paul writes, remember Romans chapter 1, verse 1, it tells us Paul, a slave of Jesus Christ. So when Paul writes this whole subject and using the illustration of a slave and a master, someone reading that in Rome, they completely understood the illustration. You understand? They completely got it because there were most of the church were made up of slaves. Many of the people listening to the book of Romans were slaves, maybe even some of them were masters, so they could relate. Paul says, don't you realize that whomever you obey, you are a slave to them? Listen, whomever you obey, you are a slave to them. Man seems to have the misnomer, are you listening, that we are in control. Janet Jackson wrote a song about it. Oh, I forgot y'all in church. Y'all never heard that. I know. My bad. We man thinks that they're in control. We think we're in control. Charles in charge. I mean, no reflection on Pastor Charles, but Charles in charge. We think we're in control. Listen, we are in control of nothing. We are not in control. Look, you don't know what's going to happen one minute to the next. You don't know what you're going to eat for lunch after church. Amen. I mean, I do because I'm going to someone's home and they told me. (laughs) But we're not in control. We seem to think that we are the captain of our own ship. You know, I was reading a poem. Perhaps you're familiar with it. And, And this poem 
I think it sums up the desire of the human soul. And, and, and this poem was written in the early 1900s by a guy named William E. Henley, and it's entitled Invictus. You ever heard it? Listen to this. It reads this. Out of the night that covers me, black as the pit from pole to pole, I thank whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul. In the fell clutch of circumstance, I have not winced nor cried aloud. Under the bludgeonings of chance, my head is bloody, but unbowed. Beyond this place of wrath and tears looms but a horror of the shade, and yet the menace of the years finds and shall find me unafraid. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishment the scroll. I am a master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. You think? I don't. We're not the captain of our soul. God is the one who has given life and breath, and God is the one who takes life and breath. Amen? God is the captain of our soul, and we seem to think that. Paul says the person to whom you render or submit your, your members to obey, that's the one whom you serve. I think it was Bob Dylan who wrote that song, You Gotta Serve Somebody. And, and, am I dating myself here? Anybody heard that song ever? Okay, good. Nobody knows Janet Jackson. Nobody knows Bob Dylan. Okay. Okay. But Bob Dylan wrote that song, You Gotta Serve Somebody. And the words of that song say this. You may be an ambassador to England or to France. You may like to gamble. You might like to dance. You may be the heavyweight champion of the world. You may be a socialite with a long string of pearls, but you got to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil. It may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. I wonder if Bob Dylan was reading Romans chapter six right around. It's possible. Who knows? But it sure does sound a whole lot like it, doesn't it? You've got to serve somebody. Paul says, listen, you have two choices. You either are serving sin or you're serving obedience. You've got two choices and there's no middle ground. You know, some people think they'll stand in the middle. I'm not going to serve anything. Oh, no, you're serving somebody. There is no middle ground. Every man is mastered by something or someone. Every man is a slave to something. Some people are slaves to work. Some people are slaves to wealth. Some, some people are slaves to the possessions and the things that they own. Some people are slaves to bad habits. Some people are slaves to their bad temper. <laughs> Amen. I know what I'm next 30 minutes. I'm not talking to anybody in here. <laughs> well, I just got a bad temper. Ain't nothing I can do about it. It's the way I am. You know, I just I got a bad temper. I got to give people a piece of my mind. Well, you know what I've said. Don't don't give them too many pieces because you ain't got much left. <laughs> well, I, gotta, I just got to give people a piece of my mind. That's why you're crazy. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, it's a people. You're a slave to something. Man is under one of two slaveries. Either notice sin which leads to death or you're a slave of obedience that leads to righteousness in verse 16. I say, listen, if you have to be a slave, are you listening? If you have to be a slave and you have to have a master, 
then I say, be a slave of Jesus Christ. Amen, saints? I say, be a slave to the one who was nailed to the cross for you. I say, be a slave to the one who went in the ground for you. I say, be a slave and allow him to master the one who rose again for you. If you have to be a slave, your minds will be a slave of Jesus Christ. Can I get a witness? Is that all right? Be a slave to Christ. Now notice in verse 17 in your Bible, I want you to go ahead and look at it again. Because Paul says Christians have been set free from the slavery of sin. And then I want you to notice how we are set free from the slavery of sin. Notice Paul says in verse 17 that we are set free from the slavery of sin. Yet you obeyed from the heart. Did you see that? That form of doctrine, obeying that form of doctrine is what has set you free. Now, if you're taking notes, you want to write this down. The word form in the Greek language, it speaks of a mold into which metal is melted and it's poured and it takes the shape of that mold. So the mold here in verse 17 is the form of doctrine. The mold is the teaching in the New Testament. The mold that Paul is talking about is the teaching of Scripture. The mold is the message of the gospel. What Paul is letting us know, and please don't miss this, is that form of doctrine has the power to deliver you. Therefore, remember I've been telling you about what you know. The form of doctrine, doctrine has the power to deliver you. That's why I still believe in doctrine. Now, I point this out because there are lots of preachers and ministers and churches and mainline denominations. The, uh, the statistics are alarming for mainline denominations who do not believe in doctrine. I talk to ministers quite regularly, actually, about this, this topic of doctrine because I think it's important. Because I think that if we don't have doctrine, we don't have the Christian faith. Some people believe that revelation knowledge supersedes doctrine. What is doctrine, Rodney? Doctrine, listen, is the rudimentary, fundamental principles of the Christian faith. In other words, listen, the blood of Jesus Christ, the fact that he shed his blood and it was sufficient to cleanse and forgive all mankind of their sins is a teaching, a doctrinal teaching in the Bible that you must understand and you must believe. And if you don't, you can't be saved. The resurrection. Now, y'all been listening to the news or, is it, or have I just been listening to the news but there are certain folk who claim to have found the bones and the body of Jesus laying next to his wife, supposedly Mary Magdalene, and his son. They claim to have found the bones of Jesus. Listen. Okay. <laughs> they have not found the bones of Jesus. Let me just say that. And how do you know that, Rodney? How do you know that? Because, listen, because his bones ha are not there. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
It's called the resurrection. And if Christ be not risen, Paul tells us, our faith is in what? And let me tell you, if you don't believe that Christ is risen, you can't be a Christian. It is a doctrinal truth. Doctrine is anything that the Christian faith is built upon. The resurrection, the blood of Jesus, the sufficiency of the cross. All of these things are doctrinal. And if you don't believe those things, then you cannot be saved. Doctrine is important. Contrary to popular belief. I have a friend of mine that called me up on Friday. I was telling them the first and second service. And he called me up and he says, and he's a new Christian. And I love new Christians because he, he he's a smart new Christian and he loves God's word and he studies God's word and God is doing amazing things in his life. And so he met a guy, he called me up and he's just shocked and he's alarmed. He met a minister, a Lutheran minister, he told me, that did not believe in the resurrection. And he called me because I can't believe, he says, the message, call me back, you got to call me back. So I call him back. I well, what's the problem? Because I met a I met a guy. I met a Lutheran. He's a minister, Pastor Roddy. He's a minister, and he doesn't believe in the resurrection. I told him I can't believe this. He doesn't believe in the resurrection, and he's a minister. You know, new Christians. I love being around new Christians because they're excited about everything. You know, when you've been a Christian for 10, 20, 15 years, you know, whatever. You know, you're just crusty and old. You just all beat down and everything. You know, new Christians are like, I can't believe this guy is a minister. He is shocked that he is a minister. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.